Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's Tuesday, November 28th, 2017, and you know what that means. It's time to get nerdy, y'all. Welcome to episode number 51 of Two Nerds in a Pod, the nerdiest gaming podcast in the galaxy. I'm Lom, also known as Mr. Nice Guy, and I got my comrade in gaming commentary here with me, the miggity, 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 miggity Mac, also known as Maction. Mac, we took a week off. We're back. It was Turkey Day. It was Black Friday. Break it down for me. What went down in the past two weeks for you, man? Okay, so the biggest thing that went down is that I found myself at home, alone, during Turkey Day. No one around, trapped. Even without a vehicle, Mr. Nice Guy. No way. Are you serious? Home alone like Kevin McAllister with no transportation. Exactly. Only it was Thanksgiving instead of Christmas. That's exactly right. Did you eat TV dinners just like he did? No, no, no. I I stocked up on some good stuff beforehand. But, but, something fantastic happened. I had been waiting for quite some time to do a, you know, do a celebratory live stream and uh, play through my favorite video game series, the Mega Man series, the classic series. Of course, yeah. And so I played Mega Man's 1 through 10, all of them. In, on stream on, on in one set in one sitting not quite i did have to break it up between thursday thanksgiving as well as friday right? dude that's still awesome though oh it was so much fun and at the end of each of the uh at the end of each of the of the games um you know i've been making those robot master perlers for a long while. i do know they're excellent um yeah i went ahead and i i raffled those away Fantastic. Um, at the end of each one. So, and I've just barely finished mailing those all out. So now I have basically 100 fewer perlers around. But, but that's not even the coolest thing. What it is the coolest thing, time, Mac? A lot of people came around, but the coolest thing about it was that I was alone. I was here, nobody around. It turns out that my uh, my dear sweet sister. Uh, was watching the uh, the Thursday event at least was watching from her home as her and her family were having uh, were having Thanksgiving dinner and everything. They had me on the television. That's fantastic. Which is really just kind of heartwarming. So in a sense, not only was I joined by so much of the wonderful internet family, if you will, but also some of my own IRL family were, were watching as well. Just I found that out earlier today. Thought it was freaking heartwarming. That is How about cool. you, Mr. Nice Guy? How did your turkey day go? Dude, it was really good. We went up to Minnesota. Uh, it was it was very cold, but it was fantastic. My wife's parents are up there. We went and had a, a really good time up there. It was so much fun. Um, there's this place up there called Bentleyville, and I think that Bentleyville has more Christmas lights than any other Christmas display I have ever seen in person. Um, so we stood in line. We met Santa Claus. Uh, my kids got... You know, they gave out hot chocolate and cookies. Um, They got these awesome snow hats, and they told Santa what they wanted. Um, They threw snowballs at me, which was was awesome. Now, one of my sons has quite the arm on him, Mac, and I did not know this until I was unloading the car, and I felt a sharp sting of pain in my hand, and I looked down and realized that he had pegged me with a snowball, Uh, and it hurt pretty bad. Like, I winced. I almost doubled over. You ever have a kid, like, do something that makes you angry, like, just initially, but then you're like, oh, it's it's a kid that I care about, like, it's my son in this case, or, you know, a niece or nephew, um, I can't quite get mad about this, so you have to, like, go against your natural humanly instinct of the pain that you're feeling because they kicked you in the shin or hit you with a snowball, and you gotta just roll with the punches, so that's what I did, um... But yeah, man, lots of good food. My wife made some awesome pies. It was good. And then we did some Black Friday shopping too, which I don't know if you braved the the internet because um, really you can do it all at home. Uh, but we uh, we mostly just bought Blu-rays. Uh, you know, we're big movie people, and that's the time of year to do it when they're cheap. So that was my turkey day, man. Um, I need to go grab my phone. I just realized I left it in the other room, and I have my news stories pulled up. So do you mind entertaining the people for like uh, 30 seconds? Not at all. I'll be right back. So one other really fun thing about uh, about my Thanksgiving 
was that, as I said, lots of people came around. We had ourselves a fantastic time. But also, I had never uh, really sat down to beat all of the uh, uh, to beat all of those games in one go before. So it was very encouraging to me because uh, because I, I did pretty darn well. Um, now, I know that timing isn't, like, the most important thing, so the most important thing is not how fast you can beat a game, but uh, it was very interesting to see which games, you know, came rather quickly, and Absolutely. which ones, you know, took a lot more time, like Mega Man's 1 and 2, I knew those were going to be really fast, because I've played those a lot, Mega Man 2 especially my favorite, but uh, I was really surprised to discover that Mega Man 6 was really fast um, in comparison to some of the others. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it, it was 20 hours total in length, split up between Thursday and Friday, 11 hours for Mega Man's 1 through 7, 9 hours for Mega Man's 8, 9, and 10. So clearly you can see where I need to do a little bit more practice. Now here's the thing I gotta know. Are you not a fan of Mega Man X? Are you not a fan of that series? Because I think those are some of the best Mega Mans. They're it's so not, good. It's not that I'm not a fan. It's just that I've not really played the Mega Man X. Because the Mega Man X series was released on what console? the Super Nintendo. What console did Maction never have until just earlier this year? Ah, a Super Nintendo. Makes sense. So, I I mean, people talked about it. It's been a thing, but the Mega Man X series was just never one of my, you know, it was never on my on my radar. So, understood. That makes sense. So, I can't fault you for al- that. Although Mr. Nice Guy, it, inspired by this, I have been thinking that maybe I should play through the Mega Man X series. So I am taking steps to make that happen. And and I'll just leave it there. There we go. Well, we'll leave it at that. And Mac, on that note, I say we do what we do best. And we hop right into the gaming news, my friend. Let's do it. Welcome to episode number 51 of Two Nerds in a Pod, you guys. We are 51% of the way to 100 episodes. Uh, who knew we would make it this far? Now, Mac, I have I have a lot of good stories this week. I don't know what you're doing for, for legalese, though, and some of them kind of involve some legalities. So let me ask you this. Does your legalese... Involves Fortnite. Okay, we're not going to do that one then. We are not going to do that one. <laughs> That was going to be my first story, and I think that it fits for legalese, so we'll save that. Um, Let's talk a little bit about Destiny, one of my favorite games this year. I feel like it should have been a Game of the Year nominee. It was not, and that is totally okay. Uh, But this new story comes from Kotaku. Tell the missus I said hello, by the way, Mac. I think I see you talking to her. Um... So, this says, uh, in the wake of widespread anger over the state of Destiny 2, Bungie said today that it is canceling tomorrow's live stream, which was meant to be the third of three streams promoting the game's upcoming expansion, Curse of Osiris. Instead, Bungie said it will address the overall state of the game tomorrow in a blog post. Posting on Bungie's forums this afternoon, David D. Daig delivered the news. Uh, we'll, we'll skip his quote. Uh, But it says, This comes after a bad few days for Destiny 2 as hardcore fans grumble, not just over the recently changed XP system, which Bungie modified after players discovered it was rigged, but about the endgame, the loot system, and other perceived flaws in a popular shooter. Bungie had received a great deal of criticism for its lack of communication with fans, and the company now appears to be taking big steps to address that. So, Mac, um, and actually, I'll talk about this first, because I can see uh, we got some stuff going on. But, uh, so, here's, here's my stance on this. I feel like game companies should not ignore the community, especially in a game that's kind of a long-term uh, business model, right? Bungie, Destiny rather, is uh, is a 10-year plan, right? They're going to have three games that come out over 10 years, and, and ultimately they want to make sure that they keep the fan base happy so that they keep coming back, keep buying the DLC, keep playing the game, and, uh, and keep buying the, the games that come out year after year, I should say every three years. So you gotta pay attention to the community. You gotta pay attention to weapon balance in the multiplayer game. You gotta pay attention to loot. Now that said, I feel like we've reached a point in gaming where where companies are are paying a little bit too much attention to the community. I feel like they're allowing the community to dictate 
um, what direction they take the game in. And Mac, I kind of want to get your opinion on this. Do you think that we as gamers now have too much influence on game makers' decisions now that they can release patches and after release, or do you think that that's how it should be? What do you What do you think, man? Well, let me say that I don't think patches are the problem. If the concern slash question is, um, are we, you know, uh, are we as players having too much input? I don't think the 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 problem comes in the form of patches. Um, if I had to. I, I'm somewhat sympathetic to the idea that uh, that maybe we shouldn't have quite as much direct input into things sometimes. Um, for example, some games are supposed to be difficult, right? Yes. People do tend to moan and groan a lot about difficulty in games. Um, and if you just listened to just those people who said, nay, you know, the naysayers, and, uh, and toned things down, then you'd wind up making some games significantly less enjoyable. Um, as with everything, there's kind of a balancing act. I don't think, I don't think patching is where the problem with that lies. If I had to identify one area where I felt like, uh, uh, the, uh, where I felt like players were having too much input in how a game is in a bad way it would be in the sort of it'd be in the realm of those games where people are buying uh are, are pay to win games basically sure, sure. Microtransactions. is where i is where i feel like the um the input from the player in that respect is doing the game the narrative the art form of gamery if you like uh, more harm than it is doing good. Well, I, I'll use the example, and I actually did not play Mass Effect 3, but I mean, I follow gaming enough to know that the ending was extremely controversial to the point that people started a petition to try to get the game company to redo the ending of the game. To me, that's a prime example of us as gamers having too much influence with the power of the internet and the power of the masses uh, to come and say, hey, you know, you spent all this time and you spent millions putting this game together, a AAA title, and now you, you know what, we didn't like the game, we didn't like the ending rather, so we want you to go back and change it. The fact that that premise even exists shows to me that we have, in my opinion, a little bit too much influence. Uh, and not just because I, I'm in my early 30s and I played back when they weren't able to do this, you know what I mean? When, you know, you, you bought a cartridge and the cartridge was what it was and there were no updates and... Any bugs in the game, you just had to deal with them. Um, and the internet didn't exist for people to complain and use a plat as a platform. Uh, I, I don't know, man. I think that we've moved to a point where for Bungie to have to cancel a live stream to address community frustration shows to me we have a little bit too much influence. And I, it, it, it's a double-edged sword because it's beneficial at times, but at times it really can hurt games. That's just my opinion. Um, but, Mac, I think we've, we've spent a lot of time on this. Uh, unless you have another word you want to say about it, we'll... Uh uh you know, I feel like this is one of those uh, circumstances where, uh, where because I was just a touch distracted, um, that I didn't that I didn't follow what you were saying especially well. So, Mister Nice Guy, I really appreciate you uh, you giving a very thorough and great response to that question where I failed to. You didn't fail, Mac. You did not fail. You got at least a C plus with that response, my friend. No, you got okay. A, you got an A. If all right, we'll keep things moving. Um. Let's talk about, you know, game servers shutting down. This is a problem, not a problem, but something that comes up quite often in gaming as games get older. This is on Polygon.com. It says, after nine years, online service for Demon's Souls from Software's or I pronounced that wrong, from Software's groundbreaking role-playing game for the PlayStation 3 is coming to an end. The game's online component will be shut down on February 28th, 2018, Sony Interactive Entertainment announced today. Demon Souls will go offline at 5 p.m. Japan time. That's 3 a.m. Eastern time on February 28th. The official English language Dark Souls Twitter account confirmed the shutdown, which will affect players worldwide. Here's the exact tweet. It says, After nine years of reoccurring deaths and frustrations, <clears throat> but just as many triumphs of dedication, Demon Souls online servers will terminate on February 28th, 2018. Play online one last time and share with us your best Demon Souls moment. Publisher Atlas also confirmed the news in the form of a fond farewell to Demon's Souls servers. Uh, the termination of Demon's Souls online services will have a major impact on the game 
It will mean an end to online cooperative and competitive multiplayer, the ability to write and read messages from other players, and the ability to see other players' deaths and their wandering illusions. That will also impact the game's inventive Old Monk boss battle, which attempts to summon another player to the player's world uh, and its world tenancy features. Okay, so just, just generally speaking, um, I hate when game servers shut down. And I get that they're not free to run, uh, but at this point, and maybe I'm just just cynical, I feel like when a game server shut down, it just means that we're going to get an HD re-release in three to five years. That's all. In my opinion, that's what it means. I, I think that they're going to re-release it, put some new servers up, and allow people to repurchase it and, and re-enjoy it. We've seen that a lot. Um, Mac, you got a favorite game where the servers shut down uh, um. back in the day? Uh, because of my tendency to avoid games that uh, are online only or head-to-head, um, I actually can't think of a single game that I do play that relies on online servers for playing. So Okay, okay. Nope. That's cool, man. I can tell you what mine is without even thinking about it, and it's Monster Hunter Try for the Wii. Uh, you guys have heard me sing that game's praises many times on the on the stream, so I won't do it again. But I remember when those servers shut down; it was uh, it was rough, and it it was a tough time in my. Life. I'm just kidding; it wasn't that serious, but it was. Uh, <laughs> but it was it was rough because I had so many good times. I see people in the chat saying Halo 2 on the original Xbox, which actually proves my point, because yes, Halo 2 on the original Xbox shut down. But what do we have now? We have the Master Chief Collection on the Xbox One, which contains Halos 1 through 4, so you can play Halo 2 again online in HD graphics, and it's back. Mac, I see you have something you want to say. What's up, man? Um, so, if we're expanding this to games that have a perfectly functional single-player or even uh, system co-op, um, but we're talking about uh, uh, games that also have an online yeah. component that doesn't function, so they have a, you know... A, Battle.net, or, well, well, that's still working. I still can't think of any, but as long <laughs> as I'm... I'm just making sure that I'm clear that we're just talking about, in general, any game that also has an online component where the servers got shut down. Not so much what I was thinking, which was merely games that are dependent on online server yeah, for, that, that's service okay. for operation. Yeah, yeah. So, sorry. You're okay, and that was the only reason I asked you the question, because I know you don't really do the online multiplayer, so I wouldn't have wouldn't have asked, but... But no, that's that's totally fine. So, next news story is from GameInformer.com. This one's kind of weird. Uh, Player Unknown Battlegrounds is coming to mobile in China. I'm not even going to read the article. One of the biggest games of the year that's still technically in beta. Um, for those of you who aren't familiar with it, it's it's currently on beta in uh, on PC. It's coming to the Xbox One on December 12th, and it's basically a Hunger Games Battle Royale, last man standing type game. You parachute in, there's 100 players on the map, you go and try to defeat the other players, there's gas around the map that that uh, closes in on the map to make it smaller as time goes on, so that as there's fewer players on the map, they're closer together, and you don't just have to find each other on this big map. Very popular game. Uh, it's going to come to to mobile. Uh, Mac, have you ever watched this on Twitch, or are you not familiar with Player Unknown? Uh, in passing, I've seen it. Okay, mm, I won't. I won't put you on the spot. I will. No, say, I, I'm going to say it doesn't seem like it would translate well to mobile. Yeah, I, I mean, it seems like a no-brainer. I don't get. There, first of all, there's too many controls required. Second of all, it, it, I mean, if you're going to be using a lot of data. Uh, third, I don't see phones having the processing power to really run a game like this where there are a hundred people involved uh in a map at a time and mac you might think that i'm wrong i'd love to hear because i saw your, your facial expression if please correct me you know more about mobile than i do um well most of the stuff is going to be handled server side um so really the processing that needs to be happening on the phone is going to be uh graphically displaying what's going on which i imagine that those graphics <clears throat> would take quite a hit um and uh but but apart from that, all you really need to do is send the information because uh, Player Unknown Battleground is a uh, is an online you know is an online event. So so yeah, you wouldn't need all that much oomph on the 
on the client side because most of it would be done server side. But still, my biggest concern is being able to control well your uh, your avatar in that game. Yeah, the ability to aim down sights, the ability to strafe, the ability to do all the thing. I mean, to drive vehicles, all the things that you need to be able to do on a mobile device, it seems like it'd be very, very difficult. So anyway, uh, we'll see how it does. I mean, it's a popular enough game that people are going to try it. So uh, here's one that Mac will be interested in. This is on GameRant.com. It says Square Enix may release. Oh, and of course, you know, as I pull up the story, it starts to reload. Square Enix may release a wide range of games every year, but its bread and butter continues to be the Final Fantasy franchise. Wait a minute, are you into Final Fantasy or no? I'm thinking of Resident Evil. I have no idea how I confuse those two games. No, no, Re- no. Final Fantasy is great. I don't think I've played any of the Final Fantasies past nine. That's um, right. I, yeah, I do have ten, and I somebody was giving ten two away, so I've got that one as well. Uh, but uh, but definitely haven't played ten two. <clears throat> I think I found the idea of uh, of skills related to your uh your dresses being a little bit a little bit too much for me i mean sure little balls of material that you slap into bangles that's fine for magic that's realistic but (laughs) relying on your clothing i mean that's a bridge too far for me it's a common uh, rpg thing i have the intention to uh, uh to do something with it eventually but uh but at the current moment, Final Fantasy IX is kind of where I stopped. Okay. So, uh, so yeah, haven't played the ones past that. But it's still cool that they're coming out with uh, with new Final Fantasy games. Yeah, man. It goes on to say, while announcements on the new games are scarce at the moment, Final Fantasy brand manager Shinji, Shinji Hashimoto has assured fans that new games in the beloved franchise will launch in 2018. Quote, next year will be a big one, Hashimoto said in an interview with Edamame Arcade Channel, where he mostly discussed the Final Fantasy trading card game Quote, and we will bring exciting new Final Fantasy games to the world. Games is plural, just so you guys know. He says, thank you for all your support. It says he stopped short of specifying which Final Fantasy games would release in 2018. Um, and only one game has been confirmed as of this writing, which is uh, the fighting game, Dissidia Final Fantasy NT, which is a spinoff. So we'll see what we get, Mac. Hopefully you can get something good. And I'm debating. Uh, we'll end there. That's our news for the week. Mac, I'll turn it over to you. All right, so now that we've taken a look at at what's going on around us, let's take a moment and look back into the past for a little bit of appreciation with some gaming history. Mm. Um, I want to take a quick look at three games that uh, that at the very least have some uh, some special meaning or significance to myself and hopefully Mr. Nice Guy, or perhaps even these games have some significance to gaming, the progress of gaming, in general, um, we will start with uh, with the 2000 release. Oh, uh, and for those of you who don't already know, these are games that were released since we broadcast last, since we recorded last, in years that have gone before. So, uh, in the year 2000, we had Banjo Tooie released for the Nintendo 64. Now, Banjo Tooie, the follow up to Banjo Kazooie for the Nintendo 64. Now, the Nintendo 64 doesn't have the largest library of games. It has a significantly smaller library of games than either the Nintendo or the Super Nintendo. However, of those games that came out for the Nintendo 64, there are some that just really stand out to a lot of people as fantastic and above all. And I think... If we were to if we were to really take a look, we would probably say that the Nintendo 64 had more winners than losers, and uh, and Banjo Tooie definitely falls into that, as well as the Banjo Kazooie just in general franchise. Uh, but there's where we got Banjo Tooie for the Nintendo 64. Um, now the second one I wanted to mention is actually one very near and dear to my heart. Because it's not only, it's not only um, the launch of a console, but it's also the launch of a franchise, and uh, that is in 2001 the launch of Microsoft's Xbox, 
and the release of Halo Combat Evolved. Uh, I do want to say something about the launch of the Xbox. And it's important to note that where, where Microsoft is now a very big, om, almost omnipresence in gaming, back in those days, sure, you played games on Windows, and uh, Windows had, you know, Windows had a lot more game support than Apple. Uh, far and above, way more support than Apple computers did in those days. But Microsoft was not what you thought of when you thought of gaming, and they had never released a console before. I remember reading articles from many gaming periodicals talking about how poorly Microsoft's entrance into the uh, uh, into the console market would be. Things, you know, people who said things like, "Well." Microsoft might have pretty good ideas about how to build a computer. They might have lots of experience in this or that, but that doesn't translate to understanding what people want. And even, and even at the beginning, at the outset, when the Xbox was originally launched, they launched with a controller called the Duke, which was, I would say, fairly oversized. A lot of people had trouble handling the controller known as the Duke, which initially led to a lot of people thinking, oh yeah, well, Microsoft knows how to build computers, but they just don't know what gamers want or need. Um, of course, that was later fixed with the release of the S controller, but overall, the it all started back in 2001 with the release of the Xbox, and I think that those early naysayers have very solidly been proven wrong. I'd now. agree with that. I would agree with that. Um, and of course, I, I think we need not say too much about Halo Combat Evolved, a fantastic franchise, a fantastic game, and you could hardly have asked for a better launch title for the original Xbox than Halo Combat Evolved. And now, the third one I want to mention. In 2002, the release on the Nintendo GameCube of Metroid Prime. Oh, yeah. So, uh, Metroid Prime was uh, Metroid Prime was interesting because it was the first attempt to take the Metroid franchise and give it the Ocarina of Time treatment. Give it the 3D treatment. Bring it into a 3D circumstance. And uh, now, Mr. Nice Guy, the, the Nintendo GameCube is not one of those consoles that I had. So I don't have the benefit of having ever played Metroid Prime, but it was a transformative episode in the series. Um, do you happen to have any specific thoughts or things to offer on Metroid Prime? You know, it was a game that was ahead of its time. Uh, you know, the, the premise of shooting, you know, first person using your... Uh, the arm cannon uh, was just like a totally new thing for Metroid. We were so used to Metroid being strictly a side-scrolling game. I would liken, I would compare Metroid Prime to uh, to Metroid as Mario 64 is to the original Mario, if that makes sense. Like, the first mm -hmm. time you put it in your mind, it was just blown. Beautiful game. Solid controls. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what we had for this particular time around in gaming history. So hopefully these are meaningful to you as they are meaningful to us and to gamers in general. Absolutely. And kids, it's time for our next segment called the topic of the show. Actually, excuse me. It's called the topic of the week. <laughs> I forget <laughs> the names of the segments that I named myself. Um, a segment where we talk about something that's currently relevant. In gaming uh, today, and, uh, and it's something that's in the news. Not a news story, but just a gaming topic, so let's jump right in. This comes from Kotaku, and it says, New evidence suggests Super Meat Boy speedrunners cheated. Wow. Now, Mac, as a speedrunner, I may need your opinion on this. No, no, so I'm not a speedrunner. Hashtag me, Mac is not a speedrunner. I must see that in the chat. I will go down with the ship here. I am... Maybe I'm not yet a speedrunner. I just happen to be in the company of speedrunners. So, carry on. He associates with speedrunners. But who yes, you hang out with is who you are. So you're, you're a speedrunner by association. 
Um, okay, so this new story says Super Meat Boy's challenging platforming and hidden secrets have turned it into a popular game for speedrunning. A new method for detecting cheaters now suggests that some famous runs might not be what they appear to be. There are two kinds of Super Meat Boy speedruns. Real-time attacks, which show the entire game without interruption, and segmented runs that break the game into small chunks, then aim to optimize time for each section. Mac, are you with me on this? Because I'm not fully understanding the jargon. So two different types of, mm-hmm. of speed runs, I guess. Um, occasionally, sneaky runners try to pass off segmented runs as real-time attacks with the help of video editing software. Members of the Super Meat Boy speedrunning community have developed a new way of detecting these spliced runs and are convinced they've found cheaters from as far as back as five years ago. The method is outlined in a document called Bandage Girl Autosave Animation Splice Detection. I'm going to say that again. Bandage Girl Autosave Animation Splice Detection. And involved watching a small loading an icon and counting the number of animation frames to determine if the game is running in real time. When players clear levels, a small image of Meat Boy's Love Bandage Girl... I'm not even going to read all this. Um, but here's what I want to know. Mac, because I don't know a lot about speedrunning, but I do know that cheating in gaming generally is becoming a big thing. Um, is cheating in the speedrunning community a, a relevant, or not a relevant, but like a big issue? Or is this kind of limited to Super Meat Boy as far as your expertise? Well, no, cheating is going to be uh, a big deal in any community. Speedrunning, you know, certainly more uh, certainly more so than some others. I would certainly say that... Uh, if you were playing a first-person shooter and somebody was using an aimbot, people would be kind of upset, but, you know, you'd just kind of move on to the next thing. In general, in speedrunning, somebody cheating is a significantly larger deal. Um, and I think that's owing to the nature of uh, of speedrunning being a, being a challenge that you have mostly against yourself, but also against the community in less of a, ah, you win this round, but, well, you know, throw out all that I was just saying. I still think the statement is accurate. I think that there is more, um, that that cheating's a bigger deal, or I should say, when it happens, it is a bigger deal to speedrunners about cheating in speedrunning than I think it is people using things like aimbots in first-person shooters. Um, my analogy game is very off today. You're okay. But, You're okay. But You're... I, I certainly think it's a much bigger deal. Um, uh, to help a bit with the jargon, the idea, of course, between the real-time attack um, and, the, and the segmented runs is that you'd be able to take your best shot because a lot of things happen to be based on random number generation. So does the boss, you know, does the boss come straight at me in a pattern where I can keep attacking it all the way? Or does it hop up onto the ceiling where I can't get at it for a prolonged period of time shooting things at me? These make a big difference in how much time it takes to do something. So if you could stitch together um, the best segments of something, then you would have uh, you would have something that's highly unlikely to occur in a real time attack, and that's why it's kind of kind of a big deal. So, uh, so yeah, it, it it's seems a huge to deal. me it seems to me like cheating would be very very prevalent in speedrunning, uh, simply because of the fact that, like it says, you can splice together your best runs of certain segments via video editing. And nobody can really prove that you didn't do it as a part of a single run. Now, one of my favorite Twitch streamers, uh, as far as speedrunning goes, is Caleb Hart. He mm-hmm. does speedruns of, of uh, Mario, or excuse me, of, uh, well, he does do Mario RPG and Final Fantasy. But He, he also does the does, Mega Man X series. Yeah, he primarily does Mega Man X. Uh, and, and I mean, because he's doing it live, it's pretty much proof, right, that he's doing it. But anyone else who's just good at video editing could take segments of their run or frankly of even someone else's and say that they just got a world record so to me speedrunning the burden of proof is so hard to 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 obtain you know what i mean it seems like anyone you know who can edit videos and might not even be a gamer can say oh i just got the world record and there's no way to really disprove it is that is that correct mac or are there 
are there ways well, other than in this article mm-hmm. which we just read um, just generally are there ways of proving that a run is real or fake well in general um, of course uh, most any speed running group and interestingly enough the way that you go about it and who decides whether a run is verified or considered legitimate varies from community to, com- to community, as do the specific rules of, for example, you may have... Uh, uh, one of the very popular games that people like to speedrun a lot, Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. Um, you have things like no credits work, or no major glitches, or things... But then again, you, you have to ask yourself what constitutes a major glitch. And in that case, the answer is the community or the community moderators have kind of separated out, you know, what the rules are for this type of a category versus that type of a category. Yeah. With that in mind, those people who are moderating and the community um, are the ones who are responsible for policing the, uh, policing the category itself. So any video submitted goes through a review process and any claim to a world record or to some kind of a record submitted without video is often not even given the time of day. So the first hurdle is, of course, submitting submitting a video. Um, and then it comes down to the people who know the game best, hopefully going through the video and catching where there might be uh, where there might be some you know cheating. discrepancies, some cheating, but. Uh, but yeah, I mean, and and who knows? Maybe cheating in speedrunning is more prevalent than uh, than we've than we're you know than we usually see. However, I believe the great majority of speedrunners tend to do their uh, their speedruns live on Twitch and then submit the you know the videos afterward from that uh, from that live stream which really, really uh, makes it significantly more difficult to try and fabricate. Although, the interesting thing is we'll never, you'll never be able to get to a point, I don't think, that you won't, will be completely unable to make a convincing forgery. Um, just like there are great artists, there are great forgers. And uh, forging a speedrun... I mean, this particular one, this Super Meat Boy thing, only came about, the discovery of it only came about because uh, people were counting those frames from essentially kind of the, the, little, loading, the right. little loading icon. And, and it took counting five those years frames. to find this. Well, I mean, maybe it took five years. Maybe it was not quite five years because it was more of a, you know, uh, more of a an interest or finding it. But it, but it stood for five years um, under what had then been, uh, you know, expert level scrutiny, um, only to be uncovered, you know, years down the road. So maybe there's more going on. But I mean, there's this point where. I feel like, in general, the speedrunning community holds themselves to a high honor standard. Uh, you know, think of them as Klingons, if you will. So, uh, yeah. so there is a lot of uh, frustration when there is any sort of uh, a sort of uh, stuff uncovered like this. So, so yeah. Good to know. Cheating in video games, you guys, such a big issue. I say we leave it at that. That was our topic of the week, and Mac, I'll turn it back over to you, man. All right. So now we're on to our crowdfunding section of the show that we like to call Kick or Kickstart. Yes. Um, it's where we go ahead, we present a uh, we present a crowdfunding project that's currently looking for funds. We talk about some of the virtues, some of the vices, and then at the end we give our deliberation of whether we think it should be kicked out of here, it's not worth our time, or we think it's a legitimate project. It should be kick-started. It should be shown some love. Um, and we, of course, encourage you, the viewers, to uh, to shout it out. We are tabulating the results from here. Uh, now, I tried to be prepared, Mr. Nice Guy, for, uh, for our podcast, and sometimes... I do a little something where I get ahead of the game. Uh-oh. So, like, after, for example, you know, la- a week's episode, I'll be like, okay, I'm going to take care of this right now. I'm so excited. Let's find some more stuff. And sometimes that cat puts me in a strange position. Like this evening, 
where as I pulled up our uh, our item for our kicker kickstart segment, it has been unfortunately canceled. Uh-oh. Uh, which makes the crowdfunding bit sort of a moot point. So I will have to, I will just go through this really quickly. It is a it is a sad, sad story because I, for one, was really, really excited about it. It was uh, it was a little a little thing called Super Mighty Power Man, and if that sounds a little bit like someone was uh, I don't know, going for Mega Man, maybe you'd be right, and that's almost exactly what someone was trying to do. Ooh. They were trying to recreate a uh, a classic Mega Man aesthetic while still trying to branch out just just far enough. From the uh, from the original subject matter, so as to not get sued, uh, it looked nice. It was quite uh, quite pleasant. They had big plans. They had a somewhat reasonable goal of fifty thousand euros to uh, to make this. They even had they even did have a demo. Um, so I mean, for me, of course, a true uh, uh, a game really in an eight bit aesthetic. Fifty thousand pounds, which seems like a like a reasonable amount of money, but not too much. Um, Twelve, or sorry, fifty thousand euros. Um, let's see, uh, 12, uh, 12 euros for a uh, you know for a early bird digital copy. Ten euros for you know just a digital copy when they hoped to release in November of twenty eighteen. This time or so next year. It had a lot of really, really cool things going for it. Is, is the demo here still? Um, no, I've got it, but, uh, but it's not here still, unfortunately. What was quite funny about it, though, is that it, uh, is that it talked about the demo, and if you went to their, uh, to their site, you could actually, you know, uh, it would actually reference the demo in all the things, but I couldn't find it anywhere. And so it, they they rectified that and got the demo up there to uh, to play. But it was one of those things where for a couple of minutes, I'm just like, what? You can't promise me a demo and then not have it. And then, you know, I got my hands on it. So it was there. But, but unfortunately, unfortunately, in their own words, um... Let's see. Um, they say that they had received. Well, I'm just going to paraphrase uh, that they had received some interest with some developers on how to uh, to secure um, funding for development as opposed to Kickstarter, and that they were not. Uh, they didn't feel themselves successful in generating the type of interest on Kickstarter that they had hoped for. Um, unlike many Kickstarter campaigns that uh, overpromise and end up being late, we were willing to follow a similar path. We are assured, based on tons of feedback and and and, and so on, um, they talk about how they're uh, uh, about how they're going to press forward nonetheless with the uh, with their project. Um, so, I guess the sad story here is that I would have liked for us to banter back and forth about how cool or not cool it looked and how uh, Mr. Nice Guy would say it's 2017 you should be uh, you should be working on some some AAA style games I not any of this say, backward retro stuff who would even make a retro pie arcade Stop cabinet it. I mean that's that's silly Stop stuff Stop it get 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 living in the present live in the now but uh, <laughs> but unfortunately this is just one opportunity that uh, that's going to have to go by without us. So it looked great. I wanted to fund it, and I would certainly have given it a kickstart. But alas, we will not get that opportunity. But alas. Now, but this alas. looks awesome. The one thing, I feel like they uh, were trying to get sued. Because this is very similar to Mega Man, and they even have a section in their frequently asked questions that says, Super Mighty Power Man sounds a lot like Mega Man. Is that on purpose? They say their answer is Super Mighty Power Man is not Mega Man simply because there's only one Mega Man, double exclamation point. Only one blue bomber. However, it's fair to say that Super Mighty Power Man borrows some game mechanics and game loops from the Mega Man series, like that game borrows from other titles. Although the playability and pace, blah, blah, blah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that it looks awesome. And I do like retro games, Mac. I don't know what you're talking about, man. I would have I said kickstart this. It looks really, really cool. So that's unfortunate. But I will give them props 
for not collecting people's money and then under delivering. I think that's that's a good thing. I respect that. Yeah. Well, maybe next time. But, now, uh, before, but before you end the segment, I wanted to ask. Mm-hmm. I was reading an article today about a Kickstarter um, that was made by one of the composers of Skyrim. I don't know if you heard about this, but he, this article was on the front page of Kotaku this evening when I was uh, when I was researching some stuff, and it says that in 2013 he collected a hundred and twenty-one thousand uh, dollars for his Kickstarter with the intent of releasing another um, Skyrim-style soundtrack CD. Uh, and he had worked on, on many different soundtracks for various games, but it is now 2017 and he has still not released it and has not updated his Kickstarter in almost a year. I was just curious if you had heard about that story. I had not heard about that. And, and to me, that's the opposite of what Super Mighty Power Man is doing. They shut it down rather than collecting people's money this Skyrim producer guy, guy, music producer guy, collected people's money and then went MIA for four years. So, I hate to sound like a uh, beat a dead horse, but sometimes Kickstarters just don't come through. The crowdfunding doesn't always work. So, yep, the Kickstarters do sometimes go bad. And you know, Mr. Nice Guy, sometimes, sometimes we've even I've even called duds on this on this very on this very podcast. I mean, and there are some times where, sadly, the egg's on my face, and I realize all too late that the product that I get was not exactly what was promised, like that retro engine Sigma. Uh, But often, other times, we get exactly what we were hoping and dreaming for. So even with those sometimes, I do certainly feel like, on the net, I really feel like crowdfunding is doing a good service for us. Yeah, I'd agree. Or we're doing a good service for it. It's, yeah, yeah, probably it's mutual the latter. Benefit, mutual benefit when it works no. out. Dude, they even had t-shirts for this. This looks pretty sweet. For this Super Mighty Power Man. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, did you have more to say about this, or should I uh, keep going? We knew you all... You were taken from us much too soon, Super Mighty Power Man. May you rest in peace. Fantastic. Well, guys, it's time for my favorite segment of the show. A segment of the show called The Dummy of the Week. 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 A segment of the show where we talk about someone who did something stupid, idiotic, or downright dumb. And we make a little bit of fun of them in the world of gaming. There were a lot of opportunities for that this week, but we chose this guy. A lot of times we choose someone who got arrested for something, and that's what we're doing this week. This story comes from the MiamiHerald.com. It says a teenager who wanted to keep playing video games attacked his mother and stepfather with a golf club, the Okaloosa County Sheriff's Office said, an attack that included trying to stab the stepfather with a golf club. Now, when I first read this, I thought, how do you stab someone with a golf club? They're extremely blunt. Let's read and find out, kids. So the article goes on to say, the teenage boy was charged with domestic violence battery on his mother, and felony domestic violence-related aggravated battery on his stepfather. Because he is a juvenile, no names were released in the sheriff's office description of last Tuesday's family fight in a Destin home, which said the which the agency said came from what the boy told deputies. Deputies said the boy admitted that his mother wanted him to stop playing video game a video game involving other players and talk to her. So, to me, that's not the issue here. I'm sure he admitted that his mom wanted him to stop playing video games, but that's not something you admit. That's just stating the facts. So I don't know why. Did they have to coerce that information from him? Like, why did you stab your stepfather? Uh, I, I did stab him, but I don't want to say why I did it. Like, I don't think that's how the, the interrogation went down. I think that the stabbing may have been the part that was tough to get him to admit to, if you guys are following what I'm saying. Um, it goes on to say, uh, when he didn't, Let me read that again. Deputies said that the teen admitted that his mother wanted him to stop playing a video game involving other players and talk to her. When he didn't, she brought the golf club into play by threatening to smash the video game console. Now, to me, this escalated very, very quickly. Like, I can just picture his mom with, like, a 50s, uh, like, flower dress on, bringing in a plate of cookies and a big pitcher of milk, like, yo, can you turn off your Xbox and... Come eat some of these chocolate chip cookies. Spend some time talking to your good old ma. 
And he was like, yo, I'm playing, I'm playing Halo right now. I don't have time for that. And then she immediately goes and gets a golf club? Like, how is that the solution? I feel like the mom should be in jail for introducing the golf club into the equation. That's, that's ridiculous. Um, so then it says the teenager grabbed the golf club and began pushing his mother with it, according to the report. I didn't know you could push someone with a golf club, but apparently this kid found a way. When the stepfather tried to stop the pushing, the teenager began hitting him with the golf club. When the golf club broke in half, I'm going to read that again. When the golf club broke in half, that's really where the story should end. Because how do you break a golf club in half and not have the person already be in the hospital? Golf clubs are pretty sturdy and they're meant for being swung and hitting stuff. Not people, but regardless. The teen then tried to stab his father with the broken end, but, quote, it didn't work, the teen told deputies. Now, I love the fact that he tried to stab his dad and then told the police officers, yo, I tried, but it, it didn't it didn't work, though. Just so you know, like, if, if this goes to trial, I want you guys to know that it did not work for me to stab him. Uh, it goes on and it says the father drove himself to medical care uh, once he got stabbed. That's the end of the story. Um, parents, there's a lot better ways to stop your kids from playing video games than bringing a golf club in the room. Just unplug it. Stand in front of the TV. Don't introduce weapons into the equation. And kids, if you're hitting your parents with a golf club and the golf club breaks in half, that's when you should stop. That's when you should just stop and just uh, realize you have a problem. And that's our Dummy of the Week, you guys. Mac, I'll turn it back to you, man. Okay. So uh, the last segment of the show, and, uh, and, and one that I thoroughly enjoy, is one we like to call Legalese. And during this bit, we like to talk about the law and its interface with video games. Now, sometimes this takes the form of things that are going on right now. Maybe it's sometimes, you know, stupid stuff that really shouldn't be a legal question, but kinda is. Sometimes it's things that wind, that, uh, that we talk about, old lawsuits, things that have shaped the way that, uh, that video games are today. And this one, I don't think is going to be especially groundbreaking, but it has the potential for some. This happens to be a uh, story about a young man, well, a few troubled people, and one young man in particular, who decided to cheat at Fortnite. And, uh, well, one thing led to another, there was a lawsuit filed, and there's just hilarity on all sides. But I want to try and, and kind of give, uh, give some background to it. <clears throat> so Fortnite, Fortnite is a video game. It's a video game that I've never played. It's fantastic! Okay, but it is a video game that's very much in the in the form of or in the style of Overwatch. Correct, Mr. Nice Guy? Uh no, actually. Okay, please fix fix my misunderstanding. Yeah, so there's two modes. There's there's the free mode, which is a battle royale, much like PUBG that we were discussing okay. earlier, last oh, yes, man yes, standing. PUBG. There's also like a uh, it's almost like Left for Dead, except you're more building like survival fortresses to ho- hold off hordes of zombies, that type of thing. That- Thank you for couching it in terms that I could understand, Mr. Nice Guy. He Not puts it in terms of Left for Dead. I get it right away. Yep. But uh, but and and uh, and I did meant to say meant to say the battle royale like not not like Overwatch. But but nonetheless nonetheless. <clears throat> so um, it so happens that this that uh, that that the makers of Fortnite take a very uh, dim view of people cheating. And so, uh, one particular 14-year-old boy um, happened to have a YouTube channel, and on that channel, he had a video that demonstrated how to install cheating, how to install software that assisted you in cheating at uh, at at Fortnite, um, and also in the operation thereof. Now, where it gets kind of interesting is that Epic, that those are the makers of uh, of of uh, uh, of Fortnite, they issued a uh, a takedown, a DMCA takedown, and um and that was appealed by the uh, by the fourteen year old kid. Now let me just say this: if I ever had a time, and and I have had times where I myself have disputed claims on 
my own YouTube videos back when I was actively making them. Um, and uh, if I ever had one of those come up on one of my videos that I was, you know, doing something against the terms of service, I would probably just let it slide. You know what I mean? I would just be like, well, you know, sure, maybe they shouldn't be taking down my video, but I also shouldn't be showing people how to break their game. But nonetheless, the kid appealed it, and in response to that, um, Epic is uh, uh, Epic um, made the uh, made the loss made a lawsuit in in response. I'm going to read Epic's uh, uh, Epic's own comments about it. This particular lawsuit arose as a result of the defendant filing a counterclaim to a takedown notice on a YouTube video that exposed and promoted um, cheats and exploits on our game. Under these circumstances, the law requires that we either follow file suit against the uh, against that person or drop the uh, drop the copyright claim entirely. Epic is not okay with ongoing cheating. We take seriously and will pursue all available options to make sure our games are fun, fair, and competitive for players. They're basically saying, we gon' find you. We gon' find, find you. Find we gon' find you. We coming you for cheat. you, We're coming the for bed you. intruder. Good one, good one. So, um, this is, uh, but this is what's particularly interesting. As the kid is 14 years old, um, his mother weighed in in a statement that uh, that was sent. And this is what's making this particularly newsworthy. Um, I want to focus on one of the claims, but I will just quickly uh, mention all the things that the mother brings up in uh, in her non well yeah, in her in her response that she filed uh, filed with the court. So she uh, she said that because Fortnite's terms of service, requires parental consent for a minor to agree to the end user license agreement and she never gave this consent that uh, uh, that epic cannot cannot sue her child um, she also uh, also said well if you guys are claiming that um, if you're filing this suit because you claim that my son has lost you revenue it's a free-to-play game you need to prove that uh, that what my son has done has actually caused a loss or a massive profit loss uh, to the company. Um, she also said, "My son didn't make the didn't make the cheating software. He, he didn't hack the game. He just showed other people how to do it. So how to install the software. So really, shouldn't you be going after the people who?" who hacked your game rather than just the people who are hacking the game. Um, um, and then the last one, and this is the one where this actually might wind up being a legitimate return fire. Um, she says that by releasing her son's name publicly, uh, and he's a minor, that uh, that they violated Delaware's, Delaware's uh, the state that the boy lives in, um, relate Delaware's laws related to the release of the information of minors. So of all of the things presented, because of course, let's not forget that they, that the suits coming about as a result of this, uh, you know, of this. And, and I mean, who knows where it's going to land when they finally hash this out, hash this out. But the one sticking point that has the most, uh, the most reasonability of turning this all back on Epic, the makers of Fortnite, is certainly that one, hey, my son's a minor, and you released his information, his name, publicly. Um, that's in violation of laws meant to protect minors. You guys are in trouble. Um, so I really have no idea where this is going to go, and I'm kind of excited by how little I know to expect from this particular interesting case, but because there's just so much going on, yeah, you know, 
There's just so much going on. You ask yourself, um, I know that there are some places where, well, okay, so you ask yourself this, Mr. Nice Guy, and, and I'm putting you on the spot. Yeah, do uh, it. So, so I, I, I fully expect that you don't know, but, uh, but so Mr. Nice Guy, let's say you've got the company, right, and they're based out of California, and you, you're based out of uh, Illinois, um, when they file a lawsuit, what court do you appear in? Which state's laws do we go by when there's a question of disparity between the laws of the state of California and the state of, uh, of Illinois? Which one, which one I, do we go for? You know, I would assume, and I don't know this, but I would assume it's the state where the supposed, the alleged violation took place. That's what I would assume. So, but what if the servers are, you know, what if the servers are servers in Amazon servers and they're, I don't know, you were, you were on the Eastern European thing that day. Then do we have to run by Eastern European laws? Because that's where the, that's where the, the, yeah. the harm took place. And I don't, I don't know, man. Eastern I don't know. Europe. That's a good question. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, there's just a lot of there's a lot of fun stuff, and often, often in uh, in agreements, there'll be like a clause that says, um, if there are any issues, we're going to settle. You agree to settle this case in the jurisdiction of, and they you know name whatever whatever jurisdiction. But uh, but I haven't read their end user license agreement. I don't know what's in there. Uh, so it's just there's so much crazy going on in this case. This is like ten pounds of crazy in a one pound bag, um, and uh, and whoever it is who gets in on this specifically, who winds up being the lawyer who takes this, I ca just cannot wait until I start reading things from them. Uh, so I'm going to be following this with a bemused look on my face. It will almost certainly settle out of court. Uh, because Epic has deep pockets, and even if Epic feels like they're going to get slammed really hard by the having released information of a minor, um, I, I think that'll just, uh, you know, compel them to settle out of court. So, uh, so we'll just see where it lands, but this is going to be, at the very least, very interesting. I think it's safe to say, Mac, that this is a story of epic proportions. I'm shaking my head, Mr. Nice Guy. Okay. I love a good pun, but oh, gosh, was that groan worthy. I, I, I didn't Are you a father, Mr. Nice Guy? I, I am. Yeah, I am. Why don't you practice those terrible dad jokes on your kids instead of subjecting <laughs> us to... I'm just kidding. That was hilarious, Mr. Thank, nice I, Guy. I, I, I can't so get a courtesy laugh. Can a brother get a courtesy laugh? Thank you oh, so much. Oh, you don't need a courtesy laugh. You get a genuine one from me. I had to, I had to hold it together during that. I appreciate it. Well, it was corny, though, if we're being honest. Well, cool. Uh, someone in the chat says they don't get it. It's because the name of the company that, that's suing is Epic. and so I, The I, only thing better than telling a joke is explaining the joke afterward. Yeah, It's awkwardly. my favorite part. Awkwardly. Yeah, we'll leave it at that. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, this has been episode number 51 of Two Nerds in a Pod, the nerdiest gaming podcast in the galaxy. If you had fun, hit us up on iTunes, Two Nerds in a Pod. And leave a rating. Hit us up on Twitter, Two Nerds in a Pod. Send us your viewer questions at Gmail, Two Nerds in a Podcast at gmail.com. And also, my personal Twitter is Nice Guy Gaming, and Maxions is Maxion, M to the A to the C to the K to the T to the I to the O to the N. And now we have time for one last segment before we end the show. It's called What We've Been Watching and What We've Been Playing, where we talk about what we've been watching and, and what we've been playing. And you let us know in the chat what you've been watching and what you've been playing so we can find more nerdy stuff to watch and play. Mac, I'll leave it to you, man. Lead off. <laughs> well, I've, uh, well, I have obviously been, uh, been playing some Mega Man's 1 through 10 because of my Thanksgiving, uh, Thanksgiving time. Um, and that was very enjoyable. Uh, apart from that, I haven't played anything but Mega Man's 1 through 10 since we since we met last so that's what i've been playing but what i've been watching mr nice guy a friend of mine i've been helping him get through stranger things Ooh. season one and now we started in on season two also mrs the mac and i we've been watching madam secretary that's what and i'm talking we are about now we are now into season two and can i just say that what uh henry mccord is doing in the beginning little bit of season two does not sit well with me. Uh-oh. 
I am not very well pleased with what Mr. Ethics is doing in season two. Uh-oh. And I'll just I'll just leave that leave that there. Well let me just say you're welcome, because when I watched the show, I immediately thought Maction and Mrs. the Mac would like this show. So I'm glad oh, that you're enjoying it. Oh, and she loves it. I mean, so I'm excited. Thank you for the recommendation. You're welcome. Oh, were you done with uh, with your watching and playing stuff? Oh, yeah, that that's all I've got. Sorry, my life's crazy right Dude, now. Dude, I so, feel you, so man. That's all I had time for. I feel you. And for people in the chat, if you want to put the stuff you've been watching and playing, please let us know. I know that uh, some people are shy, and that's totally okay. People don't want to know what, want to say publicly what they've been watching. Uh, let's see. Now, I have been watching some Christmas movies because it is that Christmas season. Home Alone, Polar Express, Elf, all that good stuff. Goes without saying I'm watching Christmas movies. Also have been watching The Madam Secretary. Uh, as far as games, I've gotten back into Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. And I noticed there's a Xenoblade 2 side mission that's helping promote the Xenoblade 2 game that is coming out on the Switch. So I'm going to go do that mission after this. Uh, still getting caught up on The Walking Dead. Might watch a little bit of that tonight. And what else have I been playing? It's been a busy time. Uh, and I think that's really it. Bought a bunch of Blu-rays on Black Friday, but haven't gotten through all of them. Yeah, that's it for me, Mac, this week. It's been a it's been a slow week for free time. Yes, it's been a fast week for family, friends, food, and all the rest. But uh but nonetheless, we appreciate you taking some time out of your late November to come and listen to this podcast or to watch it being recorded live. Two Nerds in a Pod, the nerdiest gaming podcast in the known universe. Episode 51, halfway to 100. It's been fun. Should we should we wrap? Or we was that you wrapping up or not? Yeah, that was me wrapping up. Although I'm I'm not good at wrapping, unfortunately. But uh, but yep, yeah, Mr. Nice Guy, please take us away. You guys are the best viewers on Twitch. We love you. See you next week. Same bat place. Same bat time. Same bat rhymes. Deuces.